0: People of God, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Friends, welcome to Morrisville Presbyterian Church, whether you are a longtime member or visiting with us for the very first time. No matter who you are, no matter where you are on your journey of faith, we welcome you home to Morrisville Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to worship alongside you this day. Today is Christ the King Sunday when we give thanks and praise for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who is Lord of all creation and is coming again to reign in glory. This day marks the end of the Christian year as next week moves us to the threshold of Advent. And so in our worship today, let us be open more fully to the gift of Jesus Christ among us Let us worship the triune God together.
1: Please turn to your bulletin and join me in our responsive call to worship. We come, for God gathers us here with that community called faith, where the hungry are served first, where the thirsty drink life's water. We come, for God welcomes us here into that home called grace, where the naked are clothed in robes of hope, where the stranger is embraced as the long-lost prodigal. We come, for God reunites us here in that family called love, where the imprisoned model justice, where the sick are cradled in God's peace. Call us together this day, O God. Let us worship God together.
2: Friends, God calls us here to a community of faith, a home of grace, a family of love. So let us take the first step towards God's faith, grace, and love by turning away from what keeps us from gathering with God. Let us confess our sins using the prayer of confession as it is printed in your bulletin, followed by a time for silent confession. God of mercy, who has compassion for the lost and the least, in disbelief and denial, we ask when did we see you among us? We should have seen you in the stranger on the sidewalk whom we crossed the street to avoid, or in the grocery store clerk who seemed to be taking his sweet time. We should have seen you in the UPS driver and in the woman who delivers the mail, or in the nurse next door, who we always see heading off to work the night shift. We should have seen you in those we love and in those we are called to love. But instead, we turned away. Forgive us, Lord. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. And give us compassion and courage to respond to the suffering of this world. Loved of God. There is nothing in all the world that can separate you from God's love. There is nothing you could do or say that would keep God from loving you. Together, let us proclaim this good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen.
0: Good morning, young friends, and those who are young at heart. It is a delight to be worshiping with you today. This week is Thanksgiving, and I love Thanksgiving. I love the food. I love that it is a time to be grateful. I love that it is usually a time we gather with friends and family. It's a wonderful way when we can sit and be with one another and give thanks for all that God has given us. And I don't know about you and your family, but this year our Thanksgiving is going to look a lot different. And because a number of people are getting sick right now, we're not going to have as many people around our table as we normally would. And I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of feelings about this. There are times I have felt sad or disappointed or even angry about that. Maybe you've had some of those feelings too. Our scripture today reminds us that Jesus said, whatever you did to one of the least of these, you did it to me. And that means basically that whatever you did, Jesus is saying whatever you did that was loving, especially for someone who might otherwise be overlooked. Whatever you did that was loving in the world, you did it, and it was loving toward me. Jesus reminds us that when we act with love in the world, when we act with love for other people in whatever way that is, we are acting with love for Jesus himself. We are doing something that means the world, to Jesus, And this Thanksgiving, the ways that we love people might look a lot different than they normally do. And it's okay to be sad about that. It's okay to be disappointed or angry about that. But I'm aware, and I have been aware of this for eight months now, In the same way we have not stopped loving each other in these eight months, we won't stop loving each other this Thanksgiving either. We won't stop finding things to be grateful for. We won't stop finding ways to care for one another, even if they look different than they have before. And so this week, as we draw closer to Thanksgiving, however normal or different it might be in your home, I want each of you, and this is for the young of dis- our youngest disciples all the way up through our young, in- young of heart disciples, I want you to think about a special way that you can share God's love with someone this week even if they're not going to be at your table, even if you're not going to see them the way you normally would, even if it's not someone you would normally expect to be in touch with this week or to share love with this week, what's one way that you can share God's love this week? Because God's love, my friends, will not be stopped. And part of our job is to make sure that love gets out into the world in every way it can today, tomorrow, this week, and in every week to come. So let's offer a prayer together as we give thanks for the gift of one another and the gift it is to share God's love with the world. Let us pray. You may repeat after me. Dear God, we thank you that your love cannot be stopped. Help us To share your love, love. especially this week. week. Amen. Amen.
1: Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Matthew, chapter twenty five verses 31 through 46. Before we read, let us pray. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us, mold us, fill us, use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Amen. Beginning at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, come, You that are blessed by the Father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and And you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food? Or thirsty and gave you something to drink? Then he will say to those at his left hand, you are the accursed. Depart from me and go into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. You did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Let us pray together again. Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There's an academic tradition that has been popular on college and university campuses for some time now, called the last lecture. Often a part of a professor's retirement or departure, it's an opportunity for a professor to have one more opportunity to share wisdom with their students. Randy Posh, a computer science professor at Carnegie Mellon brought this concept to a new level when he gave his last lecture back in 2007. Randy knew that the last lecture was typically more of a hypothetical concept, begging the question if you knew you were going to die, and you knew you had one more chance to speak, what would you say to your students? But for Randy, there was an elephant in the room, because he'd been diagnosed with cancer a year prior. And at this point, he knew he only had months to live. His last lecture was meant to be truly that, his last lecture. Randy shared about his childhood, the dreams he had as a child, and his efforts to achieve them. But at the end of the lecture, he said, I'll be honest. This talk is much broader than anything I've said so far. It's about how to live your life. Because how you live your life, how we live our life, it matters. Here in the 25th chapter of Matthew, we've arguably stumbled upon Jesus' last lecture. He's been predicting his own death for some time now, and chapter 25 marks the start of the final teaching block in Jesus' ministry. Now, chances are, if we've been paying attention in Matthew up to this point, his final message shouldn't surprise any of us. After all, he has spent chapter after chapter feeding the hungry, welcoming tax collectors, sinners, and strangers, calling his disciples to reconcile with one another, to love their enemies, to pray for those who persecute them. Everything in his life up to this point has been proclaiming in word and deed that how you live your life matters And now we've reached the final chapter, the last lecture. Reverend John Walton puts it this way when he says, if you want the key that unlocks the whole gospel according to Matthew, you have to read 25 chapters in, where in one fell swoop all is revealed in a single image, a single parable that is more like a keystone that holds the rest of the story together together. All nations are gathered before the throne of God at the end of time. The Son of Man is seated on that throne, ready to render judgment upon creation and upon all of us. The king divides the people like shepherds, separates sheep from goats. The sheep he puts on the right, the goats he herds to the left, and he says to the sheep, Come you that are blessed. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world, because I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick, you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. How you lived your life mattered. And if you recall from the scripture that Molly read this morning, the sheep on the right are absolutely flabbergasted. They had no idea that they had ever seen the Lord or acted in the way that the king describes. And in a similar state of surprise and disbelief, the goats stand on the king's left unaware that the Lord had ever been before them, shocked to learn that by actively ignoring or just numbly overlooking the stranger, the sick, the imprisoned, they had indeed ignored and overlooked Christ himself. If only they had known, they would have done something. They would would have acted and behaved differently If, if only they had known. The goat's shock reminds me of a story from Fred Craddock, who tells of a time he preached four nights at a big church with an even bigger crowd. There was a moment in each service when, like our worship, when we are gathered together safely in person, we take time to pass the peace. And Craddock talks about how he'd never seen such hugging in a church. Carrying on, these people were going across the sanctuary, up and down the aisles, shaking hands, hugging, laughing. He was so amazed. And on the last night, after the last service, the pastor of that church took Fred and his wife out for coffee. And the pastor said to them, did did you ever see such a family church? God. Did you ever see such love in your life, in a church? And Fred's wife said, Yeah. Well, yeah, I I have. And the pastor said, Well, what do you mean? And she said, I was there for all four services, and nobody ever spoke to me. And do you know what the pastor said in response? He said, well, that's because they didn't know who you were. It's easy to look at this parable of sheep and goats and see ourselves as either the heroes or the villains of the story. We could assume we're on the right side of eternal life here, taking a look at our life, patting ourselves on the back. For all the times we've been the sheep, giving of ourselves our time, our talent, our money in generous fashion. But when we're honest, there are times we can see ourselves in the goats as well knowing full well we've missed Jesus from time to time, wondering how closely God has been paying attention, hoping God will round down at the end of the day, or that our good deeds will outweigh our moments or our days of apathy. And this is when I'm reminded of a quote by Martin Luther when he said, people always want to ask, am I a sheep or a goat? But the real question they should be asking Is God a carnivore? A friend of mine wisely named that the problem with scripture like this, or perhaps more accurately, the problem with us when we read scripture like this, is that too often we become consumed with whether or not we're the hero or the villain, the sheep or the goat. And in our turmoil and inner conflict and weighing out all the odds, we lose sight of the shepherd. Because you see, captured within this last lecture of Jesus, behind the sheep and the goats, behind the scene of this collective shock on the day of judgment, we are reminded of a shepherd, a God who created this world out of an abundance of love like a bubbling fountain that cannot be contained, God is love and God is overflowing with love. We see it in creation, we see it in God sending Jesus to live among us, we see it in God's gift of the Holy Spirit to dwell with us. God repeatedly, generously pours love out upon all people, showing us God's own self as well as who we were created to be. Because you see, friends, in this same image, this image behind this judgment day, we are reminded of this generous God. And in this image, we see ourselves, the way we were created to be. We were created in the image of this freely giving God. We are called to freely share, to freely give, to bubble over with love because this is what it means to be created in God's image, to love, to love, just to love, to let it pour out into the world as if we've been filled with it so much we can't help but let it bubble out into the world. The goats are shocked to have missed their cue to behave righteously, and the sheep are surprised to realize they've ever been considered righteous at all. They had simply shared who they were, what they had freely. They had shared who they were created to be. It had bubbled over with love into the world without calculation or expectation, and in so doing, they had cared for the king of creation at their doorstep. It turns out the king is not looking for cunning efforts to win favor. The shepherd is not looking for us to pat ourselves on the back for our good works or act in an effort to earn God's love or anyone else's love. This king is looking for a natural overflowing of love from the heart of who you were made to be. And who you were made to be is in the image of the one who breathed you into being. Sheep and goats will come and go, but this is the shepherd we cannot lose sight of. Because it is only by God's grace, it is only by Christ's example that we know what it looks like to live as Christ loves. In this final teaching of Jesus... In his last lecture in the Gospel According to Matthew, in this keystone message that locks every other stone into position, Matthew reminds us that how we live our life matters and that the single most important way we can live as Christ loves, the single most important way we can allow all the love that we have been given to bubble over into the world is in the way that we respond to human need. I was alone I had no one in the world. My husband had died. My children lived in another state. I stayed in that empty home all those years. Did you call? Did you visit or did you not? I was in New Jersey State Prison, two miles away for three years, cut off from society for what I did, convicted, yes, but still a human being. Did you visit? Did you send a note? I was hungry, standing on the street corner day after day, people driving by one after another, unwilling to even acknowledge my humanity with eye contact or with a wave. Did you offer me anything to eat? I was without clothing, looking into shop windows, gazing at the wardrobes of the world. I waited for styles to change, hoping a coat or a dress would come my way. Did you offer me anything to wear? I was a stranger, new at the job, new in the country, new in the city, new on the street, new in the neighborhood. I didn't know anyone. Did you? come to meet me? Did you take a minute to talk to me, or did you not? God never comes to us dressed like God, my friends. That is a story we will remember in these Advent days when we are reminded that God came first as a tiny child. God never comes dressed like God. God comes to us in the broken down, tangled web of this world looking a whole lot more like the kind of person we might otherwise pass by or ignore or pretend they're not there at all. In his last lecture, Jesus wants to be sure you know that how you live your life matters It matters deeply to God. How you allow the love of God given to you to bubble out into the world matters. Because sheep and goats will come and go, my friends, but the shepherd, thanks be to God, the shepherd will reign forever In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: Friends, having heard the word proclaimed, trusting that how we live matters, and trusting in the love of our God and Shepherd, Let us join together as we affirm our faith through the words of the brief statement of faith as it is printed in your bulletin. Together, let us state what we believe. We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. Jesus proclaimed the reign of God, preaching good news to the poor and release to the captives, teaching by word and deed, and blessing the children, healing the sick, and binding up the brokenhearted, eating with outcasts, forgiving sinners, and calling all to repent and believe the gospel. Unjustly condemned for blasphemy and sedition, Jesus was crucified, suffering the depths of human pain and giving his life for the sins of the world. God raised this Jesus from the dead, vindicating his sinless life, breaking the power of sin and evil, delivering us from death to life eternal. With believers in every time and place, we rejoice that nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Beloved of God, for the next few minutes, let us sit in God's presence as we reflect on the words of the hymn printed in your bulletin as a response to the word read and proclaimed this day. This time is an opportunity for us to be connected by God's presence in all the many places where we are worshiping this day. Let us open our hearts and our minds the gift of God's presence.
1: Let us pray. Holy God, you are the giver of all that we have. You are the giver of all that we need. Yet sometimes we overlook your abundance and your mercy. You have given us so many gifts this new day. The breath we breathe those for whom we care, and those who care for us. Help us to see your gifts each day. Open our eyes to see your presence in the world and to free us for joyful giving. Even in our gratitude, we find ourselves still in places of fear and uncertainty. This week, when we usually gather around tables with friends and families, it looks different this year, God. For some, this difference is a relief, and for others, it brings a great sadness. We ask for your presence in the difference of this year, O God. We ask your presence with those who will travel and those who will stay home, for those who will spend days with their households, and for those who might find themselves alone. For the tables that will look different this year, O God, we both lament and we give thanks. In our gratitude, we proclaim that you are a healing God and there are so many facets of our lives and world where we need your healing where we long for your healing. We pray for those who have COVID-19, the 12 million cases in our country, the 58 million cases in the world for those who are sick and for those who have died. This day, specifically, we lift up to you the health care workers who have been put in unimaginable situations We pray for both endurance and for rest. Healing God, we call for healing for our country. The news, the numbers, the polls tell us we are divided. Our conversations with our neighbors tell us that we are divided. Guide us forward, healing God. Show us the way. Wrap us solidly in the confidence that we are yours and that you call us to care for both stranger and neighbor. Continue to convict our conscience, O God, and move in our imagination. Healing God, we long for healing for those we love. For those who are ill, we ask for comfort and peace. For those who are hopeless, we long for new life. For those who are tired, we pray for restoration. Our prayers are many, O God. And we pray them confident that you hear the cry of all who are in distress. We pray them in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father...
0: My friends, how we live this life matters. It matters deeply to God. May we remember that we are made in the image of a beautifully loving God. and We are called to fill ourselves so much with that love that we can't help but let it bubble over into the world around us. And so as we go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ The love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Be with those you love. Be with those you are called to love. This day and forevermore. And together we say, Amen.